Welcome to All the Balls, week 107. Jake Platter, Justin Miller, we're back this time without Connor Howe joining us because yes. he has other things to do. Yes. So, why does it say Fountain Line, Fountain Line Condominium? Is that Read this word in? again. Fountain Lane Condominium. Sorry, I missed the I and the A. But, yeah, what's up, everybody? This is All the Balls, week 107. We're back after a kind of a weird week of football, kind of a crazy week of football, kind of a... I'm a crazy man. A bad Patriots week of football, but thank you for everyone joining us pick? so far. I don't know, Jake, we'll find out soon. What did I pick? This is week 107 of All the Balls, so every week we've been starting like this for the past 15 or so weeks. We're going to take you... Take you on a flashback. I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go 17 and 0 in Patriots picks. Yeah, from your lips to my ears. Um, yeah, so we're gonna Nowhere take you else. on a little flashback for the year in sports 2007. Breaking news. Oh. No, Godwin ain't playing. Jake, you remember anything that happened in the in the world of sports in 2007? The Patriots. Two. Went, the Patriots oh. went undefeated in the regular season. That's what I remember as well. I also remember the Red, Red Sox, Sox won, won the World, World Series, Series that the year. Celtics made the finals. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, it was the 07 season. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so Bostonians were, were very lucky to be Bostonians back in the year 2007. The Bruins existed. Yeah, the Bruins were pretty good. All right, we're about to find out who won the titles. That's what matters. Who won the championships? We don't, we don't care about the runners-up. We don't care about the awards. We don't care about what our parents were doing back then. I mean, maybe we do, but let's find out who won championships. So starting in baseball... Jake, you already said it. This is the year the Red Sox not only beat the Colorado Rockies, but they swept the Colorado Rockies. Yeah. Four games to nothing. MVP that year, you'll never guess. I kind of forgot to. Mike Lowell. You ever heard of him? No. Well, now you have. Third baseman for the 2007 Bill Boston Buckman. Red Sox. It was actually crazy because they, um, they completed sweeps in 04 and 07. So congratulations to the Red Sox on winning the World Series that year. Yes. 15 year. Congrats. Hey, 15 years. They actually did a reunion recently. Um, 2007 Stanley Cup champion, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, beat the Ottawa Senators four games to one. Didn't even let me guess. Would you have guessed the Anaheim Mighty Ducks? I don't think so. Yeah. Matt Doran, they also came back from 3-1 in the ALCS. Thank you for the fact, Matt Doran. We'll get to your fantasy football questions of the week at the end of the show. So the Ducks won in 4-1 that year. Super Bowl champion, uh, I'd rather not. Actually, is that the right year? Are we doing that? Are we doing that right? This always confuses me every week. 2007, so it's, we're talking so we're about... we're doing the, the 2008. The Super Bowl happened in 2008. Yeah, so we'd probably rather not talk about that Super Bowl the because... G- the Giants won the Super Bowl. 17-14, the Tyree catch. We don't really want to get into too many details about that Super Bowl because yes. it was the undefeated regular season and then... They had unfortunately and, just they lost in the Super Bowl. And the San Antonio Spurs won the NBA championship over the Cleveland Cavaliers. You're right. Four games to nothing. They yeah. beat them four games to nothing? Yeah. Finals MVP that year was the one and only? Timmy. Tony. Tony Parker. Tony Parker won the finals. Tony Parker, MVP. of course. LeBron got there with Mo Williams and Sedrunas Ogowskis, I think. He had no one. He had literally no one. And, um, yeah, Drew Gooden. Uh, what was the little guard's name? Gibson or something? Carlos Boozer. Um, Matt Dorn, what Super Bowl question mark? The Super Bowl of, uh, I don't know if you're being funny, but. 40. I don't even know. All I know 43? is. The Giants beat the Patriots in that Super Bowl. That's all we need to know, and we don't need to know much more because that Super Bowl sucked. I'm in 42. 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, so that's what happened in the year 2007. I'm sure a lot of other things happened, such as probably some Roger Federer or Wimbledon titles. We'll get to Roger Federer in a couple minutes. But yeah, 2007 was a pretty kind year for Boston and a pretty not-so-kind year if you're a Patriots fan, put it that way. But hey, I mean, they call us the city of champions, and that was one of the main years, obviously, that Celtics were great, Red Sox were great, Pats were great. The Bruins, I don't remember exactly how they ended up finishing in 2007, but it was a great year, and I believe the Revolution even lost in the championship like they always Fantastic. do. You know they lost like four consecutive MLS championships? Yep. What a fucking horrible team. No, they're actually good. I mean, they got there. All right. Early season college football is upon us. I believe tomorrow is week. We're one week ahead of the NFL, right? It's week three. Yeah, so it's week three of the college football season. Anything that stands out to you, Jake, so far through the first couple weeks? I know there's been some kind of wacky results. There are some happened. things that stand out. Anybody? Um, so what stands out? So Matt, anything stand out to you or the other person? No, that's I'm, watching? I'm talking. Don't answer, Matt. Um. So the first thing is that through two weeks, Those Georgia has allowed three points. That's why they're number one. Through two weeks, Georgia has allowed three points. They've scored more than three points. Um, I think Georgia is the best team in football right now. Um, right now, it doesn't look that close. As good as Alabama is usually. Are they? They almost lost. Yeah, they almost lost to Texas last they week. They almost lost to Texas. They won by one point. Um, very close call. And the third thing I want to drop in is I think, uh, the only team that can possibly compete with Georgia is a healthy Ohio State team. Um, yeah, they're three, Michigan's four. They lost, they lost in the Jigba in the first game and they still beat a very good Notre Dame team. And then they came out and dominated in week two. Notre Dame got, Notre Dame lost actually last week. They lost to, um... Someone they weren't supposed to. They lost to Marshall, actually. So there's been a couple of upsets recently. I mean, usually at the start of the college football season, you see some of these, these top 10 teams going down. And I think already there's been eight teams in the top 25, they said, that have lost in these first two weeks. And if you're looking at the rankings right now, I mean, Oregon has a loss, A&M, Pittsburgh, Penn, um, Texas, Florida, Baylor, Utah. And I think that's it. So maybe that was seven. But either way, I mean, Marshall received 85 votes because they just beat Notre Dame. And then Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Houston, three teams that were in the top 25 have already dropped from the rankings. Notre Dame, who was actually number eight, has dropped from the rankings, which is something you don't see too early in the season. They'll be back. And yeah, Alabama is obviously number two because they lost a close game to Texas. But usually Alabama teams early in the season don't even, don't even why, get threatened to That's why to Texas lose. is even ranked because they gave Alabama a run for their money. Yeah, so they went from not being ranked to being 21. So yeah, right now I'd say... Georgia has to be the early season favorite right now. Again, it's only two weeks. Michigan looks pretty good. Ohio State looks good. A thing that I want to mention really, really fast about teams looking good, I was going to say Georgia. I was going to say Ohio State with C.J. Stroud. I was going to mention Oklahoma and that high-powered offense. They always really look very solid, it seems like, year after year. And then teams who have disappointed so far, you don't want to say Alabama, but I, I guess you have to say they Alabama have. after that, after that close loss. Their expectations are so high. And then another team that's disappointed so far in my eyes, even though they're 2-0, and this Clemson Tigers team is worrying me a little bit. Is, they just don't have, the, they don't have ex- the... They don't have the explosive offense that you need to win big games. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. They don't have that Trevor Lawrence anymore. I've been paying attention. They don't have Deshaun Watson anymore. Yeah, they have ukulele. And ukulele gets a lot of comparisons to Tua Tagovailoa. Um, 
But I don't really – I'm not confident in him even po- possibly making it to the Final Four at the no, college football final. Like, he looks like Jameis with no arm. Yeah, and he's a lot skinnier than him as well. Two things related to Boston sports and the other two are related to movies. What are four things that happened in both 2004 and 2007? Jay can probably answer this. What are four things that happened in both 2004 and 2007? Um, I took a breath of oxygen – I ate food, I used the bathroom, and I slept. He said it's related to Marvel movies. I would have no. No, he idea. didn't. Not in that comment. Teamworks or the DreamWorks? Oh, yeah. I, I don't two know. things are related to Boston sports and the other two to movies. Movie hints, Marvel and DreamWorks. Was that the year that Tutu Benio was created? Um, no. So the sports has got to be... Um, Four things. Well, for, that happened in both. The Red Sox won the World Series in both those years. That's one of them, sure. The other one... I don't know. Patriots? The, the Spurs? Yeah, the Spurs might have won the... 4 title? Yeah, I don't know. Did no, they... It's a tough call, Matt. The Spurs... Maybe they did. Okay. So, and then the movies... Football hint. Football hint. But we said the... Oh. I don't know. If you were saying 07 and 2010, that was the year the Giants beat us in both those years. But No, he said 04 and 07. I don't know if he's thinking the, the Patriots Super Bowl... Oh, yeah, the Patriots were in the Super Bowl both years. Yeah, but... If that's what you're I don't know. trying to get at. How, lo- how loose of a, you know, thing are we going for here? Um, the movies, Marvel and DreamWorks. Well, Jake, when you so, think about it real quick, going back to my point about college football, the last team that disappointed for me, obviously a team that is not a top 25 team, but going into the season, I thought the BC football Eagles were going to be decent this year. They got a kid in Phil Jerkovic as quarterback. They think he's going to be an NFL, Phil Jerkovic. He's primed on NFL radars right now. I think he could be an NFL quarterback, probably not a starter, but right now, BC started the season with a horrible loss against Rutgers, a team that they're supposed to be. And then this past week against Virginia Tech, they got their absolute doors blown off. So BC football right now, 0-2. Everyone in that organization should be an absolute shame to themselves. Jeff Halfley, year two head coach, supposed to have a massive jump. Jerkovic is a, probably a top 15, top 10 quarterback in football, and they're 0-2. This BC football team is not getting any better, and it's really cause for concern in my eyes. You got anything to say so about from, that? So from Marvel, oh. I think there were, there were Spider-Man movies in both 2004 and 2007. That um, Super Bowl appearance. Okay, yeah. so we got, we got it. Um, and then DreamWorks. DreamWorks. I'd rather talk were about DreamWorks. Were there two Shrek movies in 2004 and 2007? Maybe the, the third and the fourth movie or the second and the third movie. Spider-Man, yes. Is there Shrek? Two Shrek movies? All right. What other DreamWorks movies are there? I don't know. We don't get time for the Teamworks and the DreamWorks. Tell me the DreamWorks answer. Um, all right, moving on. Jake, any feelings or thoughts or other thoughts or other feelings about... We already talked about Serena retiring, but now probably one of the best tennis guys, if not the best player of all time in this generation at least... <sighs> Roger Federer, he's amazing. Is retiring. He's he's incredible. His longevity probably does put him above the others. 
Um, there's to me, there's like to me, there's like three Nadal, current, yeah, and Djokovic, Federer and then the Djokovic. only I almost said four because Andy Murray is also very good. He ain't on that. But he ain't that on that tier. Though. I know, I know. I said three. He ain't on that tier. But though. Federer was number one. I got it. I knew it. He got it. I knew it. Shrek. Shrek. I Shrek forever. Shrek is. I'd rather watch Disturbia. All right. Um. Yeah. So. Federer is definitely... I know my moves. A lot of people think he's the best. I probably do think he's the best. But either way, him, Serena Williams, Mack. both of them retiring, and it's a big loss for tennis. But as I'm watching and listening and reading up on and just Googling on, there's a lot of guys that just win these U.S. Opens and Wimbledons lately that just come out of their ass. I mean, not come out of their ass, but it seems like it's a different guy almost every year now. You don't see the longevity of the Federer's well, and Djokovic's anymore. Nadal it's because they're getting older. Djokovic are older. Federer obviously was almost 40. He retired. Yeah, they're all getting up there. It's a new tier of players. Now I don't in. even know who it is. I forget the guy's name. That's just one of the most Andy recent ones. I, I never hear of these guys. And now you're seeing guys Songa. that are winning these opens at 20, 21, 22 years yeah, old. They get younger and younger. That girl, what was that girl's name? Um, the, Dad, I can't even tell you. The I think she's actually from Japan, but she is she is darker skin. The Bryan brothers? No, I don't. They're good, but um, yeah. Either way. Big loss for tennis. Ja- comment the Japanese girl tennis player. Hakaji- Hakajima or something? I don't know who it's you're not Hakajima. Hideki Yokojima? No. But either way, it's a pretty big loss for tennis. Google it real fast. I am. All right, moving on. We got some baseball items to take care of right now. There's a lot of milestones that have either been hit or that are going to be hit in this last, basically the last 15 Naomi days of baseball. Osaka. Yeah, her. But um, yeah, a lot of milestones that are happening right now within baseball. Whether it's Pujols, Judge, or Mike Trout, there's only about 15 days Jake left in the baseball world right now in September, but there's some cool things that are at least taking place if you want to at least get your eyes off the horrible season that the Boston Red Sox are currently having right now. So starting with the first thing that went on or is going on or actually stopped going on because the streak ended, Mike Trout, for all the injuries that he's going through right now, and I still think he is the best player in baseball. He homered in seven consecutive games. Unfortunately, he couldn't get it in the eighth game, which would have broke the record. But that is something that is still a very, very hard thing to do, especially with an Angels team that is, for the ninth consecutive season, not going to be over 500. And, man, shows you how good this guy is. You've left me with some things to say. What's that? First, I don't think he's the best player in baseball. I think Aaron Judge is the best player in baseball. Second, he's having the best year. Why is Mike Trout not being talked about as much? Because he plays alongside a generational phenom and an MVP conversation type player in Otani. That's why. He's overshadowed. Somehow. Yeah, but even before Otani was there. Somehow he's overshadowed by Otani. The reason for me is even even before Otani got there is because sports like basketball and football. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's a whole different thing. With quarterbacks like Brady. Even sponsorship stuff is different. Yeah, and like with quarterbacks with Brady and Mahomes and Rodgers and superstars like LeBron, KD, and Curry, you're not seeing little kids, unfortunately, like baseball as much as other sports like basketball, football, and sometimes even even hockey, which hockey and baseball are below things. But yeah, either way. Golf. People like golf. Yeah, fuck that. Um, either way, I can probably name a good amount of golfers, almost as many baseball players. It's not as big of a deal as football and basketball. And even though Trout is probably the best player in the game when it comes to an all-around basis, 
Unfortunately for him, it's just not a sport like basketball or football where people are buying the jerseys as much these days, watching commercials. That's true. I mean, there's a reason why Dairy Queen is sponsoring baseball teams on their freaking cups right now. They're trying to get they're trying to get baseball teams and fans back to back to the golden days. If you haven't been to Dairy Queen recently, if you order like a blizzard all around the cup, it's every single baseball team. No matter where you are, it's every team. I mean, at least when I was in Georgia, it was. But I assume it's the same for I have a Dairy Queen down the street. Go buy some and find out who's in the cup. But yeah, either way, homering in seven consecutive games is a crazy feat. It's a great feat, and I think it's a feat that it's not going to happen a lot, even with Judge hasn't even been able to do that. Speaking of Aaron Judge, he's three home runs away from 60, which the record for the American League is 61. It's going to be close. There's about 15 games left. He's obviously not going to break. They say Barry Bonds has the record. You know how all that went down. What's, his at, what's Barry Bonds at? He, um, it was 72, I believe. So. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was a steroid year. So. Second. No. No. They you know all what? do steroids. I don't know. That they was, all do it. That was when the steroid thing were going down with McGuire, Sammy Sosa, yeah, and Barry Bones not, and all them. How many, let me ask you, okay? They, they test nowadays, though. I, okay. Ju- you think Judge is doing it right now? I don't know. Tatis got caught here's, on PEDs. Here's, no, I'm, I'm, I'm moving on from that. This is more, I've never done steroids, clearly. But... Well, the question I'm, I want to ask you is, he hit 72 home runs on steroids. How many is he hitting not on steroids? Yeah, probably at least 50. I mean, it's not going to make that many. You think, you think steroids gets you 22 home runs? I don't. I, I, think, think, it it probably, I think it probably got him like 10. Maybe. He's, I think he's still a record holder. Yeah, he's still the record holder, but hey, that that's baseball. They say a lot maybe, of these guys, he's not, he's not in the Hall of Fame it's because like, of it. It's not like you turn to the Incredible Hulk when you start shooting up steroids. It just like it your just muscles get your, bigger a little. They make it makes them grow faster. Those three hundred and seventy five foot bombs that are deep in the outfield probably turn to around four hundred on the steroids. Okay, well, how many of them snuck out of the park? I don't know. He's Barry Bonds. They're probably going bombs away. That's what I'm saying. In the McCovey Cove. That's what I'm saying. If it didn't just sneak out of the park, it's probably a home run anyway. I don't know. Give him 15 or 20 in my opinion. But either way, Aaron Judge is three home runs away from 60. Let's not take away from what kind of a crazy season he's having. The second best on the list is Roger Maris, who's at 61, who is a Yankee. So he's four away from tying that, five away from breaking it. Franchise. The question is, do you think he's going to do it? It's probably going to be close. I think there's... I'm going to say he ties. How many games are left in the season? You got Yankees are 87 and 56. That's 143. So he has 19 games left, five home runs away from becoming the second. I thought he had less games. I'm, he's going to do it. He'll probably end up doing he's it. He's going to do it. I mean, he just hit two the other night against the Red Sox. Yep. Either way, Aaron Judge, easily, easily, I should say, the MVP. Terrific season. People want to say Otani. There's rumors that we could be seeing him in a Red Sox uniform in the near future. He grew up a Red Sox fan. Would I love to you see? You think he's gonna want to come here? Is that that's what you're trying to say? He's talked to people in his near circle interviews recently, no. and I don't think he'd mind the idea. Why wouldn't he mind? The I idea? don't think he'd mind anywhere where he gets paid. And then Albert Pujols is four home runs away from not hitting sixty, but four home runs away from seven hundred. He's gonna do it. And I, I, you don't want to say he's on steroids, but all of a sudden these last couple months. Albert Pujols is starting to hit bombs. You think they're purposely not testing him? They want Albert Pujols to get up. I'm not saying it, but I'm saying it. They want Albert Pujols to get 700. Oh, my God. Who doesn't? I mean, whether baseball is a dying sport or not, Albert Pujols is going to probably get 700. He'll come back next year if he doesn't. 
I don't think so. This is it. Albert Pujols. He'll, he'll be like he'll retire in the first he'll week. He'll be like a pinch hitter and play like the whole year, getting like eight at bats, just waiting for a home run. You never know. Do you think they'll throw him like a duck so that he just hits like a bomb? Throw him a duck. Yeah. Oh, like a softball. Yeah. You never know, but you know. All right, but yeah. So that's. You think they'll throw him like an ephus so we can just crack it? I think he'll still do it, probably. We'll see. And unfortunately, they don't cut the playoffs because St. Louis is going to go to the playoffs, but then he's probably not going to play every day either. But congrats to Pujols, congrats to Judge, and congrats to Mike Trout as well. So the real other quick thing I want to hit on with the baseball is me and Jake were talking about before the show, they announced three rule changes that are going into effect next season. I, I know Jake wants to spend the most time talking about on the shift. For those of you that don't know, they're basically getting rid of the shift next year. You can't have your second baseman or third baseman in the outfield. Strictly all four infielders have to be on the infield dirt. And the third baseman can't be going on the other side of the field. Second Stupid. baseman can't be going on the other side of the field as falls. Jake, what do you feel about the shift not being able to happen from next season on up? I'd like you to better explain why they're doing this. They want to so, see more offense. So... They're getting rid of the shift. To quote Justin, who was reading an article about it, because a fair amount of batters only hit the ball to one side of the field. So now we're getting into why the shift exists, right? That's why it's true, though. Okay, but guys step up to the plate, right? And, And they say, oh, well, I can only hit the ball from center field over. So... Defenses accordingly. Before say, we get it, I, I agree with you, Jake. I think the shift should. Defenses accordingly will will respond by saying, "Well, we're not even going to defend this side of the field. We're just going to go over here and and wait for your ball because this is the only place you can hit." And now the league is going to say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You can't go whoa, stand whoa, whoa. over there. You got to stand in your spot and wait for the ball not to come to you." So my response would be that that's stupid and get better at batting. Like, if you want more offense, get better at batting. It's not like it's not like in the NBA. It's not even get better at batting. It's a game plan, too. Yeah, but could you imagine in, like, the NBA if they were like, well, we were expecting a lot more three-pointers to be made this year. Next year, the line's going to be four feet closer to the hoop. Like, no. Just tell the guys to get better at shooting. Don't put it further like, back, if anything. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like, tell the guys to get better at shooting if you want to see more three-pointers. They want to see more hits. Tell the guys to make them get better at batting. Uh, Like, adjust to good defense. That's how you get the best out of a sport, right? If the sport was designed to only have defense, then there'd be no way to to improve. But you, you can literally just, you know, get better at batting, learn to hit the ball to a different part of the field, just swing, time the ball differently, hit it opposite field, and you'll get a you'll get a great hit. Like the the shift is risky, right? The shift is risky. If yeah, sometimes it doesn't help. If but. if you're over there expecting the ball, the guy to hit the ball to the crowded area of the field because that's where he hits the majority of the time and it works, then you made a good defensive play. If you all decide to stand over there and this guy pulls out of his bag an opposite field shot where there's only one outfielder. He's going to get an extra base out of it. So maybe he should learn to hit the ball differently and take advantage of the shift being done against him. Like, make the other team not shift against you. Don't wait for the rule book to be thrown at them so they can't shift. That's stupid. That is stupid. You're just you're just allowing players to not improve on their game. 
Yeah, yeah, my feelings on this are, I mean, keep the shift for crying out loud. I mean, I do get the younger generation. They do want to see more guys on base, more hits, more walks, more whatever, but stuff like that. But still, you can game plan, hit the ball opposite field, hit the ball over their head in the infield. Nothing's stopping them. It's going to be really weird to see that next season because the shift has become, whether you like it or not, it's become such a huge part of the game. Why wouldn't you do it? Like when Rafael Devers is batting, now they get the they get the shortstop playing behind the back because they know that it, it. It would be it would be like it's a good strategy. It would be like like Matthew Stafford lining up with Calvin Johnson Jr. on one side of the field, and then a rule comes in that says, "Oh well, you can't you can't double him, you yeah. can't you can't put a safety over the top on him. You have to let you have to play one on one defense. You can't do that. You can't tell your safety to go defend that guy, like." No. If, if he has trouble with two guys defending him, then the defense made a good play. You don't just uh, uh, make, take a rule away. Like, and that kind of brings us stupid. to the second point as well with the bases because they're making the bases bigger. I mean, this isn't as big of a deal, obviously. That I could care less about. They're making the bases bigger. I guess they want to see a couple more steals maybe throughout the season. More steals. I think that's a – why make the bases bigger? Ooh. How many – I mean, I guess a lot would be the answer, but how many stolen base plays are really coming down to this? I mean, uh, most of them are. I mean, not most of them. So half of them. Do you, really, do you think a, a lot more are going to be safe now? No, I mean, maybe they'll get their foot in there a little faster. It's not going to matter. Okay. It, it's barely even bigger anyways. I think they said this rule was also for the shift, so there's more... Whatever, there's not as much space. I don't know. They're, I think they're getting too technological now with all this shit going on. The final thing that I do like, though, is that the pitch clock is actually going into effect next season. I think you get 30 seconds to throw the ball. If you can't get 30 seconds, if you need more than 30 seconds to throw the ball, you shouldn't throw the ball in the first place. So if they don't throw the ball so within he, 30 or get into yeah, their so windup. Here's, here's what I want to know. Um, it's a ball. If they don't throw oh, it. really? It's a ball? Yeah. That's good. I like that. What happens if a team still does the shift? Can't do it. What happens? Umpire will probably stop the game and tell them to get back in position. And if they don't? I assume there's a warning, and then second time around, we'll see. You start ejecting players? It seems a little over the top for a guy standing in, the, in a part of the field he shouldn't be. It's the rule. That, I mean, if it's a rule, I don't think they're going to do it, unless they want to be morons. But yeah. But- I, would, I would wonder what the consequences of... Like, what if... Like, not to be petty, right? But, like, where on the field, if you imagine, I'm going to do it in the camera, if you imagine the, the baseball field, that was pretty good, right? Yeah. That's the whole field. That's outfield included, right? Let's say this is the second base. Imagine I have, like, the X's and O's, like football. This is the, the second baseman, right? This is where second base is. At what point? Two has to be on each side. That's the rule. So how, at what point is he, has he done the shift yet? Has he done the shift yet? It's just two where, have to be on each side. Where is he allowed? To, how far can he go? Two guys could technically be at third base. The rule is two guys have to be on each side of the second ba- of second base. You have to have two on the left and two on the right. And what? And with the shift, they have like one guy on second and then another guy. I don't know if playing know base sh- like second base plays short and third base. I didn't look into it that. Out. I didn't like, look into it that much, but but yeah. Besides from that, the the pitch clock thing I do like. Throw the ball within thirty seconds. If not, move the game a, li- a little bit along. It shouldn't be more than three hours. I mean, if it is extra innings on that crap, but that's the one thing I do like. So those are the MLB rule changes going into effect for next season, and then I guess I, don't like it. I guess with the playoffs, with the with the pitch clock, I would say no for the playoffs because it's a different atmosphere. 
Yeah, also I can imagine a pretty crucial moment in baseball where a ball is just given away. Yeah, you don't want – I'd say get rid of that. It's like the extra inning thing for the playoffs. Get back to give old them the time. school ball. Give them the time they need. Every pitch matters like that. Radio season, 162 Get back games. to that old school ball. All right, something we haven't talked about in probably at least a month or close to ever since when Kansas knocked off North Carolina in that national championship game, which is a really good game actually. But – College basketball is about seven weeks away from beginning again, all that non-conference action. So every week we're going to break down one position. This week, I said, let's get to the point guards. And, and around the college basketball world right now, they're saying that, well, everybody's saying that the, the sport's going to be dominated by the centers this year. And if you think about it, it's true. They're all coming back for the most part. The centers that are coming back this year for another year are going to be awesome, whether it's Timmy, whether it's Shibwe, whether it's Baycott, whether it's... Trace Jackson Davis. There's a lot of good big men in the league this you fu- year. You fun do? You fun do? Who's the guy in UConn? Sonogo. Sonogo. Yeah, so there's a lot of good centers coming back. The point guards aren't as great. I mean, you lost the Kennedy Chandlers of the world. You lost the Johnny Davises of the world. But don't get me wrong. There's still a lot of good point guards out there. So let's get to who we think the top five returning point or, or not returning point guards are for this upcoming 2022-23 or 23-24. Why, you have some freshmen there? Basketball season. I have no freshmen on this list. So they're all returning. Yeah, so Jake, you didn't do it? No, but I'm happy to talk about the guys you mentioned. So number five for me, I went five being the worst, one being the best. Number five is Severe Wheeler, returning year, year three, actually, in college basketball. He started his career at Georgia. He's coming back to be Kentucky's... I mean, last year they had Ty Ty Washington, too, but he's going to be Kentucky's primary ball handler this year, Severe Wheeler. Very good assist-to-turnover ratio. Very good with the basketball. Not a great shooter, but being a point guard, you usually don't have to be sometimes. But this guy oh, yes, you do. is going to be at the front of what Kentucky has this year. And a lot of people think Kentucky could be the national champions, bringing back Oscar Shibwe as well, being that starting center. I like what Kentucky has this season, and it all starts in the backcourt with Sarvier Wheeler. I don't know. I mean, I didn't watch a ton of Kentucky ball last year. Um, Ty Ty Washington played point guard a lot last so, year, too. I don't I mean, I, I've heard good things. But he's good. He's very small. That's an issue. And I think that a lack of shooting is an issue. I don't know how I don't think a, a team can be a how champion how tall if their point guard five nine. Five nine. Um I don't think a team can be a champion if their point guard can't consistently shoot the ball. He averaged ten points last year. It's a serious threat that the other team does not need to take seriously. His fourth year. He, he can't shoot the ball. He's yeah, he went from, I mean, he's improving, I get. Now he went 47% of Georgia, 39, back to 44. He shot almost 31% from three-point range at Kentucky last season. So he's their starting point guard. As long as they got to respect it. Yeah, he's their starting point How guard. How does the shot look? It's a weird-looking shot. I wouldn't respect it. Um, point guard number four for me on this list is actually, out of the, the five starters that were at Duke last year in Coach K's final year, this is their only... This is their only real player that's returning that this played good pretty good minutes last year, and that's Jeremy Roach for Duke. He's obviously going to have a lot more on his shoulders this year because their starting lineup last year, Trevor Keels is gone, Paolo Banchero is gone, A.J. Griffin's gone, and Mark Williams are all gone. Jeremy Roach is their only starter back, their only key guy that played big minutes back. Obviously, they have a great freshman class coming someone in. Someone else get drafted, too? Um, I don't Theo John's gone, but he didn't get drafted, but... This is their only guy returning, and Wendell Moore got drafted, too. Yes, yeah, Wendell but, Moore. But Jeremy Roach, I think, is a good point guard. Is he great? I don't think so, but I think 
he could be in line for a very good season being... I think he's very athletic. Their only guy that's back this season. I mean, don't get me wrong. He, he's probably going to average the third or fourth most points on the team because these freshmen that are coming in are sensational. With Derek Lively and Phil Posky, whatever his name is, but Jeremy Roach is going to have to be a good t- player on this team. Sure. Put it that way. Um, number three for me is this team right now is the third best team in the country. I cannot wait to see this team. They're basically returning all their players. The Creighton Blue Jays, Ryan Nemhard, his brother's Andrew Nemhard from Creighton. They think he's from, that good? Gonzaga. I mean, I think he's phenomenal. This is a guy that he tore his ACL, didn't get to play in the tournament last season. Another thing that concerns me with this guy is his height. He's probably, they might list him at six feet, but I don't think he is six feet. They list him at six feet. I mean, this is a guy he's that... tall hair. Yeah, he tore his ACL last year. This is a Creighton Blue Jays team that was sensational last year. And Mon- they re- Monverde. They returned just about everyone from that team last season. So they're going to be very good. And this is, this is going to be one of the main reasons why. He only averaged 11 points. Do they have that foot mantle guy? Foot mantle. Free mantle? That's, Free mantle. No, that's Xavier. But, but Xavier does. Yeah, so Nemhard's really good. Foot mantle. Um, number two for me on the list is Tiger Campbell. Seems like he's back for his 10th season at UCLA. But he's back, forming a pretty good combination between him and Jaime Jaquez this season. So they did lose Johnny Juzang, but UCLA should be top five, top ten good. Tiger Campbell is good. He's a guy that just knows how to get his shot. I don't like him. You don't? No. I think he is... He's not like a slow-moving player, but I think his decision-making is like kind of slow. He seems to take like an extra dribble whenever you should be doing something. Um... I think his jump shot is weak. I don't... I've, like, never seen him be a consistent range shooter. Um, and I think he's very small. Not that he's, like, necessarily short, but he is, like, like stick thin. I, I just don't see him being an aggressive, like, quick-to-action guy. He, he seems very stagnant to me when he's on the court. He's not a great shooter. The thing I like most about him is he knows how to get a shot, whether it's a little floating two, whether it's uh, not even a shot passing the ball. This guy's one of the best passers in the game. But let's get to number one. In years past, a lot of guys would be better than this guy that's at number one. But I think, I think RJ, every year I've ever watched college basketball, this guy would not be where he is. Yeah, the point guards are down this year. But R.J. Davis is very good. I mean, There'll be someone that you're not talking about. Yeah, I mean, Curbelo's decent. No, you don't trash. like him. He'll, he's a Horrible Saint, player. He's at St. John's this year, so I think it's a good change of scenery. He, talk about somebody that can't shoot. Um, Tyrese Hunter is going to be very good for Texas, transfer from Iowa State. But I think R.J. Davis is going to be— I think Sasser is going to end up playing point guard. Yeah, Sasser is obviously tremendous. But R.J. Davis is a guy, another year in the North Carolina system with the guys around him is the main reason why I put him at number one. And he just got to the national championship game last year. And this is a guy— He didn't do anything to get there. This is a guy that can score the basketball, though. He didn't do a damn thing to get there. R.J. Davis? That was all Love, Manic, and Baycott. This is still a guy that and leaky probably averaged at least 13, 14 points a game last season. And this year, I mean, he's probably just going to do that again. He averaged 13 and a half last year. White Plains, New York guy. He can shoot the ball from three. Leaky. He, he can pass the ball. His defense isn't that good. But I think R.J. Davis right now is my favorite point guard in college basketball. So that's the top five for me. And then, um, Jake, any I named three teams that I think that are cut above the rest going into the season. Yeah. Starting with North Carolina. I think they're far and away the preseason number one right now. Reason being, they returned everybody that was there last year besides really Dawson Garcia, who Trash. didn't play. Hate that guy. And Brady Manick is going to be a loss. But the thing is, they're replacing Brady Manick with Pete Nance, who, in my opinion— I remember him. Pete Nance is better. 
that he's going to be better at North Carolina. Uh, Manic than Brady Manic. Manic, no, I don't know, man. Manic's a good shooter. Manic was like the one of the best shooting bigs I've ever seen. He's a good shooter, but this guy, um, this guy can bring everything to the table. His brother's in the NBA right now. Larry. Larry Nance Jr. This is a guy that played at Northwestern last year, averaged fourteen and a half points a game, six and a half rebounds, six ten, and he's going to go into the starting rotation with R.J. Davis, with Caleb Love. Who was that kid? With too, Leaky that, Black that played in the Puff Johnson. Puff Johnson. Puff Johnson is going to be a great six man off the bench. Puff Johnson. But you're looking at the best starting five in the in college right now with Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Leaky Black, Pete Nance, and Armando Baycott. They're going to be phenomenal, and then. So they're number one for me. Number two for me, got to be Gonzaga. It got to be Gonzaga. Two teams I haven't even said. They lost They lost Shet, but I think it's going to be a blessing. You don't want to say a blessing in disguise, but I think it's going to make Drew Timmy flourish even more this season. I think those guys that were on the bench last year with Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas have defined roles now. Rashir Bolton is going to be a great point guard for them this season, that a guy that I didn't even mention. And a guy they got from Chattanooga and Malachi Smith is another guy that's going to be a phenomenal player for this Gonzaga team. I think their guards are better than last season. I believe that Drew Timmy's going to have a better season. And I think they're a lot deeper than they were last season. I think this Gonzaga team might be better. It sounds stupid, but without Chet, I think they might be better. Teams don't get better after they lose Chet. I think they're he gonna... was a defensive machine. I think the guards on this team are better. So Gonzaga's not on your list. And the last team to, for, me, for me is the Creighton Blue Jays. Also not on my list. I mean, we're talking about a team that went, they won, I believe they won, they lost to Kansas in the tournament. But this is a team that we're talking about. We just mentioned Nemhard. They lost him, didn't even play in the tournament. They lost the starting center, Ryan Kalkbrenner, didn't even play in the tournament. They returned those guys, and they returned the guys that were key role players as freshmen last season, Arthur Kaluma and Trey Alexander, who is phenomenal. We saw this team in person. They stunk against Providence, but this team is so they much got killed. They're so much better than they were last season. They returned just about everyone besides Alex O'Connell and Ryan Hawkins. And not just that, they added a guy by the name of Bailey Schuyerman. If you don't remember him, he played last season in the tournament for um he was on a bad North Dakota State, was it? He was on North Hold on. The long hair. He played in the tournament. He was their best player. It was, yeah, him. Remember he, Bailey Schuyerman. I don't remember him. Key addition from. That says Baylor. From the Jackrabbits. Where does it say Baylor? Baylor Schuyerman. Yeah, Baylor Schuyerman. But yeah, he's, he's going to be a huge addition. Bailey. Huge addition to this Creighton team. They're going to be So top, I didn't say any five, of those teams. Except UNC. I like UNC. I didn't, I didn't name them. Um, three teams I got my eye on early. Number one is Houston. Um, Gotta like the guards, yeah. I love the guards, and tell me a better defensive team. Every year they are. There isn't one. They will win tournament games, score not allowing, scoring 40 points. And Sasser's one of the best offensive players in the country as well, so Houston's a team you definitely have to look out for with, with that defensive tenes- tenacity. Let's probably take this. Uh-oh. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so I'll go back to Jake's point on Houston. Now, let me look at the other teams he put out there. My thoughts on Houston, great guards with Marcus Sasser and Traymond Mark and Jamal Shedd. And they're big men every year. It just seems like transfers, freshmen, guys that have been there for a while, they bring the physicality. They bring the defense, defensive intensity every single season. And their shooters are amazing as well. So... From defense to offense, this Houston team is something special. And every year, it seems like they just know what they're doing on both ends of the floor. And that's, that's the main reason why they're in the tournament 
it seems like every year. And their head coach, Mr. Mr. Sampson, is one of the best coaches in all of college basketball. So that's my thoughts on Houston. Jake's an amazing defense, and he loves the Marcus Sasser return. So that's that's why he loves them. And then his second team on the list is the Baylor Bears. I mean, between their guards, kind of like Houston, it seems like year after year, they bring great guards into that program. And what Jake wrote is he loves Adam Flagler. He loves LJ Cryer. And I can't, I can't see what the second thing that he said is, but they lost some guys last year that were freshmen in um, Akinjo and I'm drawing a blank in, in Jeremy Sokan. And they lost another guy in Kendall Brown, who was a freshman last year, but they bring back phenomenal guards that are coming off injuries in Cryer and Flagler. They added a couple of other pieces. If I can remember, they got Caleb Lohner from BYU, who's going to be a tremendous piece for this team. Probably going to come off the bench, but a great rebounder, another guy that can score the ball. And they also added a guy in Jalen Bridges from West Virginia, who's a pretty good defender as well, a guy that can score the ball. So one through five, this team is going to be phenomenal. And I haven't even mentioned their two centers that they've, they're bringing back and Flo Thamba and Jonathan Shamba Chichiwawa as well. I mean, try pr- pronouncing that again, but they bring back some key components. They add some key transfers in Loner and Bridges, and they got a great freshman coming in in Langston Love that our people are raving about right now. So I think this Baylor Bears team has has the potential to be top top three, top five in the country as well. Another great coach in Scott Drew. Um, and then the third team on the list for Jake is the Tennessee Volunteers. They lost Kennedy Chandler. They lost John Fulkerson. They lost a couple of other key guys. But the main reason to me why this Tennessee Volunteers team has the chance to be so special this year is because they're coaching and because some of the guys that they brought in, whether it was off the bench or other guys in the starting lineup, were absolutely great. Zakai Ziegler's taken over the point guard duties from Kennedy Chandler. He's a guy that came off the bench last year. He's about the size of me, but man, can he play basketball? And they have one of the best shooters in the land in Santiago Vescovi. Jake wrote it on the list. This guy can shoot the basketball like no other. He's phenomenal, and he's going to be their starting shooting guard to start the season. They bring back a couple of other key guys as well. And um, in Oliver Nakumbo is back this season. They got Yaros Vlashvich is back this season in the front court. So they got experience. They got depth. Depth. They got a couple of other good freshmen coming in, and they got another key transfer. I believe his name is Tyree Key coming in from Indiana State who's a great scorer, going to bring another level of physicality to this Tennessee Volunteers team as well. So between Houston, Baylor, and Tennessee, these teams are really special, and we're going to get into them more further into the season, but they they know what they're doing. They're going to be very, very good, um, very good teams. A couple of other teams they can think of off the top of my head, obviously Kentucky, obviously Kansas, I mean, year after year, Kentucky and Kansas are unbelievable. And, um, I mean, Kansas is the defending champions, first off. This is a team that's bringing back Jalen Wilson, Dewan Harris. They got Grady Dick coming in, who's a funny name, I know, but he's regarded as one of the top freshmen in the country as well. So Grady Dick's going to bring a different component to that Kansas Jayhawks attack. That should be fun. And then I'm trying to think of the other guy's name they brought in. A couple of other freshmen, but between between Harris and between Wilson, they're going to be extremely fun to watch. So Kansas being the defending champions, and then, like I said, Kentucky. They bring back Sevier Wheeler. 
just talked about him, the point guard. They bring back the defending, chi- the defending national player of the year, in Oscar Sheboy. This guy is going to be phenomenal. I mean, he was last year. He's going to be this year. They got Sarvier Wheeler. They got Oscar Sheboy. They also got a guy that played last year, who didn't play last year, practiced last year in, in Joe Wieskamp from Iowa. He's going to bring a, excuse me, CJ Frederick from Iowa is going to bring a different element of shooting to this team with the loss of Kellen Grady. I think this guy is going to be balls to the walls amazing. Could be the best shooter in the country next season. So Kentucky's great. Kansas is always great. UNC, we mentioned, they're always great. Creighton is going to be a very good this season. Jake mentioned Houston. Jake mentioned Baylor. Jake mentioned Tennessee. I mean, these teams are all all awesome. Another another couple teams that I bring to my head right now. I mean, Duke, we talked about them. Jeremy Roach is back, but they bring back some great, great, great talent with these freshmen that are coming in in Filpowski, Derek Lively, people regarding him maybe as the best freshman in the country. They bring back a kid, don't bring back, but they bring in a kid, Derek Whitehead, a freshman. They say he can be a, a guard forward type combo guy that can be phenomenal. Three really good freshmen coming to Duke, to Duke. I mean, they do it year after year. And then another team we haven't mentioned, the Villanova Wildcats. Year after year, they are always at the top of my list. They do it all the time because, I mean, they lost Colin Gillespie. They lost Jermaine Samuels. But the guys they bring back are still huge. They played huge roles in that team that went so deep last season. I mean, we're talking about Caleb Daniels. We're talking about Justin Moore, who was close to being that team's best player last year. Justin Moore is going to be injured because he's coming off a bad injury to his leg. But he's probably going to be healthy for the second half of the season. So with Caleb Daniels and with Justin Moore... And with Eric Dixon back, this team brings back some guys that played some key roles last year. And let me not forget the Swiss Army Knife and Brandon Slater, who was phenomenal in that in that run in the tournament last season. So they bring back four key guys. Jordan Longino is going to get some better minutes this year. And then people are talking about this freshman that Villanova is bringing in. Remember the name, Cameron Whitmore. One of the highly, most highly regarded freshmen that Villanova basketball has brought in in recent memory. And he's a five-star guy going to a Villanova Wildcats team that already is sensational. And now you, you lose Samuels, you lose Gillespie, but now you bring in this Cameron Whitmore guy that could be maybe the best freshman in the land all season. So we're talking about, as Jake comes back out of the closet, I mean, the bedroom... We're talking about other teams that I just think that have a chance to be amazing in college basketball this season. I mentioned your list. I mentioned Baylor. I mentioned Houston. I mentioned Tennessee. Thank you. I'm in the middle of mentioning a Villanova team that lost Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels. That's everything they had. But they're bringing back Caleb Daniels and Justin Moore and Brandon Slater and Eric Dixon. And they're bringing in Cameron Whitmore, one of the most highly regarded freshmen in the country. Never mind they lost their head coach. Jake is back, so let me get a sip of my water while we talk about... I already... Talked about Houston, Baylor, talked Tennessee. About everything now. I had. Yeah, I mean, you got um, anything else quickly before we get to the NFL? I'm trying to rack my brain since I just had to totally beeline from all the balls to <laughs> something completely different. Um, Sessa. But I'm back on, and I'm trying to rack my brain. For a, look at this. This thing is empty in here. This is a hollow shell. The Star of David's um, becoming the Star of Sessa. This is an Under Armour logo. 
Um, All right, what you got to say on Houston, Baylor, and Tennessee? Then we'll get to our picks of well, the week. Well, like I was starting to say with Houston, this team is going to win games scoring 40 points, while other teams we've mentioned are going to have 40 points at halftime. Um, and I think that's kind of special. To me, like, I, I know that people love offense. They take away the shift so that there can be more offense. They make the bags bigger so there can be more offense. But I like defense. I am a fan of some hard-nosed, smash-mouth basketball. You know and I love watching a good defensive team that is annoying, that's gritty, that takes stuff off the chin. I love Houston. All right? And I think Baylor, at heart, does the same thing. They've got a little more offense in the tank. Um, but they're another nitty-gritty that, that'll get down and, and win big games by, by coming up clutch on the defensive end. Tennessee, just a fun team. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not a defensive powerhouse. Ziegler and Vescovi will most likely be the worst defensive backcourt in all of college basketball. They'll get you some points, um, though. They'll score. They're gonna, yeah, but they're going to be dropping bombs. I said watch out for Tyree Key as well. They brought in a transfer from Indiana State that's supposed to be an offensive and, uh, you know, the, the big man, Jordan James. Yeah, they'll be good. They'll be good. Quick note on Baylor. I think the um, the losses of those freshmen might hurt a little bit in SoCan and Kendall Brown. And also Matthew Meyer decided to transfer to Illinois, so it's going to be interesting. No shooter. It's going to be interesting seeing him in orange this year instead of the, instead of the green that was looking yeah, at well, last they, year. They, honestly, that's probably an upgrade over Curbelo. That guy's trash. Yeah, so that, that's our thoughts on college basketball. I didn't think we'd be talking about it that long. Oh, you but, know what I'm excited for with college basketball? What? When does it start? First of all, I think we're about it starts two weeks before Thanksgiving. I think November 8th. So here's what I'm most excited for. Freshmen, cheerleaders and mascots. No, you're so weird. I'm excited. No, I'm going to say something even weirder. I'm excited for those those magical weeknights where I can tune in. For an eleven fifty nine tip off, oh yeah, in the great state of Hawaii, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can't. Wait. I love it. I love it. watching all my sports all night, and then I'm like, well, it's time for bed. And then I'm like, wait a second, there's one more game. Hawaii still, playing. there's one more game I can watch. That's Hawaii funny. is about to tip off. The Rainbow Warriors are gonna be amazing. I, I love wait. watching I Hawaii. That's funny. Hawaii's great. All right, let's get to NFL. So week one is down. We're getting to week two, but before we do get to week two, Jake. Any, any quick takeaways from week one? I was thinking about this when you were talking about college basketball. We're not going to recap it all together because we have a whole lot of shit to talk about. But, but week one of the NFL, my quick thoughts are upsets. A, a couple of results that I did not see happening. Week one, young coaches really love them, got to love them, have to love them. And quarterbacks, still great. Mahomes, Herbert, Rodgers, Brady, a lot of quarterbacks. Josh Allen, Stafford. Quarterback plays phenomenal in the league. The young coaches are great. And the upsets are still happening. Besides that, I love the NFL. Jake, any takeaways you got on week one of the NFL? Yeah. I have two. I want to talk about two teams. The Carolina thing I was going to say, too, that I did not see happening. but Them, lose, them losing? Yeah, that was my probably my that biggest one, surprise. I, mean, I was, like, just hyped on the Baker comment. And I wanted him to just go out and destroy. But And I thought McCaffrey would do more. But... That one I don't care. I really that one that's two crappy teams playing each other. What I I want to talk about two teams. The first one I think we already talked about a little, maybe, um, is the Bills. Um, you see why they're projected to be the Super Bowl. They're, they're the I we've watched one week of football and that's definitely not enough to judge how a team's going to be all season. But the Bills are the best team. They're the best team in the league. Yeah, they have to be. That's they right. are. They just are. Um, they, 
it's more than the personnel. But I do think the personnel is fantastic. Um, yeah, they got everything it takes. The, top, you don't have to call him the best quarterback in the league, but he's top five, obviously. There's no doubt he's top five. Um, the receiving core is fantastic. Diggs is a, is a top – he might be top ten. He's close. Um, yeah, he's easily top ten. He's close. Um, Davis is very underrated. Jameson Crowder was an excellent pickup. There's no holes. No. Nope. Running back maybe is their only hole, but it's not really a hole. No, because – because Allen can run just as well as any of them. It's a, it's a dual-threat game, and they don't need a bell cow. They just don't. Um, their defense is impeccable. I love their defense. It's stifling to the best offenses in football, and it's going to be tough to play against. I really don't want to see the Patriots play that team twice. It's going to be two absolute slaughters. Um, so, enough said on the Bills. They're fantastic. Anytime they lose is going to be a surprise to me. The other team that I want to talk about, because I don't think it was a, just a one-week thing. I think this team is legitimately very, very good. The Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, they're very good. I, I'm, I, I'm excited for Monday night. I'm not gonna. Good. I'm not gonna overhype it, but damn, they're good. They're really good, and I think the Packers are a little overrated, so I won't like sell it too hard. And it's Rogers' first game without Adams but too. But Kirk Cousins is not bad. He's not amazing, but he's not bad. He he has enough firepower around him to do plenty of damage, and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, which is important. Um, so you're saying watch out? Yeah, hell yeah. And like, Kiad was there. I'm, defense. I'm going. I'm backtracking hard. I actually did say the Vikings were going to win the division in our pre-show thing, but I don't know if it'll be as close as I said it was. I think the Vikings are going to run away with the division. I don't think they're running away, but a key addition— I think they at least win the division by two games. A key addition for the Vikings was actually the guy that was on Green Bay last year, and Zedaria Smith. Him and Danell Hunter, however you pronounce that name, is— Danell. Yeah, it's Danell. That's a great combination to have with Jordan Hicks leading the team in tackles this past week. Jeff- I really do Jefferson's like the Vikings scary. as well. Justin Jefferson is scary. I didn't want to believe the hype, but— I didn't want to talk Randy Moss either, but— I didn't, want, I didn't want to believe the hype. I don't know why. I just like something about Justin Jefferson— didn't scream out to me as this superstar player. He, he seemed more like an inside threat, not like this deep ball sideline guy. He got it all. But he can do whatever the hell he wants. And if there ha- – I mean, I don't know if there will be. If there's a 2,000-yard receiver, it's him. Yeah, he's all. Yeah, so it's bes- him. Besides from that week one takeaways, were there a lot of upsets? I mean, we'll get to the Patriots in a second. That, That's sh- not an upset. I know, but I wasn't expecting – You might have been upset. I wasn't expecting Chicago to lose um, to win against San Francisco Seattle. again. The Seattle Denver game was Steelers, a, a main talking point. Texans tie. The, the Steelers Bengals was the best game of the week because of all that craziness that happened at the end. You see that? Yeah, um, a, lot, a lot of misses. But the misses and the and the Jamar Chase thing. But those guys aren't getting cut. Why Blankenship? That was a great cut? game. The the Denver Seattle game. I was not expecting Russell Wilson to lose to his old team in that one. I mean, Giants won. Geno Smith did look really good in that one. The Giants won, wasn't expecting them to win. I think the Titans stink, so shout out to Daniel Jones, who actually wasn't that bad this week. But besides from that, other results expected around the league. Ravens slaughtered the Jets. I mean, we knew that was coming. The, the opener was pretty good in the first half until Buffalo ran away with it in the second half. Um, the Monday night game, I think I we talked about. Murder. And then Kansas City in week one. We, murder. They, they, they didn't take a step back. Nope. Without Tyree Kelly against Arizona well, in the first game. They looked very good. In that game, no. Last night, they kind of did. Yeah, better team. They still won, I mean. But those were our main takeaways from week one. Um, quick thoughts on the Patriots in their game against Miami. 
and then we'll get to the expectations versus Pitt and the ups and downs from that game. My quick takeaways from this game versus Miami, Miami's the better team, unfortunately. Tua doesn't have to do much with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle being tremendous weapons. That I think Tua played a great game. He didn't make many mistakes. He did what he had to do, make those short passes, and Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle will do the rest. Patriots defense, though, I did think looked pretty good. I think the secondary didn't look bad as much as you want to blame the Patriots for losing that game, how they did. How the secondary do against Waddle? I mean, that one play, but they really only gave up 13 points when you're breaking it down. So I don't think the Patriots defense was that bad. I think there's there's improvement there, especially with the D-line. I don't think the D-line really showed up that much in the game. They, they got to get to the quarterback a little bit better. I'll bring that up in the three ups and three downs. But I think the offense is the main concern right now. The offense has to be the main concern for the Patriots. And it all starts and ends with Mac Jones and the offensive line. I it, think It didn't look that good in week one. I think there's just this overarching sloppiness over it's over the whole team it's not i'm not gonna isolate mac and say you should have saw that you know strip sack coming i'm not gonna isolate the receivers and say they should have created more separation or the running backs or the offensive line creating more space it's not just offense either i think both ends of the uh, uh, both sides of the ball there's just this like lack of crispness I'm trying to think of like the best word here, like sharpness. There's this lack of sharpness that typically comes with a Patriot team. It, it's it's something that's instilled by coaches. So I kind of understand because we seem to be in this murky water situation with our coaching staff that I don't love. Um, but I think it's left this like it's haze. Left it's left this like haze. It's left this haze over the team where people aren't as like driven. They're not as focused. Um, they aren't getting like the discipline they're supposed to because I feel like the coaches aren't like they don't want to step on each other's toes. They don't know whose job is who. They they aren't instilling this like high level of discipline that is expected from a Patriots team, and that is what has elevated our our roster in the past. I feel like we've come into years many times, and now I'm sort of talking about the defense, not so much the offense, because. You know, Brady used to make things work, and that's fine. You know, if you have a player like that, that's how that goes on that side of the ball. But the defense, I feel like there were many, many years where we'd say, well, the personnel took a step back. You know, we don't know what we're going to get out of this guy. We don't know what we're getting out of this group because it's young, because it's inexperienced, because it's had a, a lack of development on other teams, and now we're bringing these guys in. But I feel like the coaching staff is what instilled the the Patriot the Patriot way into their play and it it made them develop into acceptable and high-level players. I don't think we have that right now and we're just left with a plethora of under... We don't have a lot of great under players. talented guys. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's a result of drafting over the years. But regarding this game against Miami, it was a game that was winnable. If you wa- I mean, I know Jake didn't see the whole thing, but if you watch it from the very beginning to the end, the Patriots' first drive of the season was phenomenal. Could have resulted in a touchdown. Mac Jones threw a, a 50-50 ball to Devontae Parker. And ever since that interception, Miami really never looked back. So the Patriots should have been winning that game 7-0. And if we stopped them on 4th and 7 before halftime... We could have scored more points as well. That the game was. Tw- you didn't just not stop him. The game was twenty to seven. It should have been closer than the final score. But you look look at this. I mean, Dolphins had no turnovers. The Patriots had three turnovers. That was the result of the game. And the thing is, the Patriots had the ball for about as long as Miami did too. But the thing here was, turnovers killed us. 
and Miami was the better team. We got to figure out a way this week. Speaking about this week, what are your expectations going to this Pittsburgh team? Mitchell Trubisky, good team surrounding him, a good defense. TJ Watt's not playing. I'm expecting them to bounce back, but I don't think it's going to be that easy. It's not. Um, it's not going to be that easy. And I think you you almost get blinded by the the Mitchell Trubisky factor, right? Like like oh, we're just going up against Trubisky. This guy should, this guy was a backup quarterback last year. He, he literally was. Um, but he's he's fine. He can win games. He has in his career before. Um, I think I think the Patriots can win the game. To me, the the X's and O's line up properly, and and that's not to say that I I, I legitimately think a better overall team could lose. A, a worse team could beat us. I just think that the way the Steelers have it stacked up, we could beat them. Um, our I d- despite what happened in Week One, I think our weaker side of the ball is defense, um, and I think that the weaker side of the ball for the Steelers is their offense. Najee's already banged up. Um, Pickens didn't really do anything in week one. Deontay Johnson and Claypool are, are weapons we're going to have to stop, but they don't really, I mean, I don't like their tight end, um, Fryermuth. He let him in, um, 75 yards in week one. Okay. Yeah. We have good linebackers. Good enough. Um, it's going to come I, down to how the offense plays. I, I think that the Patriots offense can overcome what they have defensively and, and win a... TJ Watts out too, so... Yeah, I mean, they can, they can win a game like... 24-20. Yeah, it should be a game the Patriots win. Usually you don't see him lose back-to-back. I know it's not Brady anymore. It's Matt Jones. But this offense has to take a step forward. Kendrick Bourne only played two snaps. I think it was a little result of a disciplinary reason for the joint practice stuff and all that shit that was going on. I think the Patriots are healthier this week, which seems crazy after playing one game. But I think the offense has nowhere to go but up. They played one game. The play calling should be a little bit better. I didn't love the play calling in week one, whether it was Patricia, Judge, or Belichick. And like I said— Who was it? Who knows? The defense wasn't that bad. I think it would be a lot easier to stop this Pittsburgh Steelers offense than it was the Miami Dolphins with Trubisky. And they do have decent receivers. The O-line is not as good in Pittsburgh either. I think the Patriots will win this football game. So, now taking a step back, Jake— Let's get into it. It's our first three ups and three downs of the the NFL season. Let's start with the the three ups for the Patriots— who is your Tough. who is your number one up from this week? Um, from what I was able to see, I actually thought Damian Harris had a very good game. Um, I he's not typically the the pass catcher of the backfield, but it seems like you know through one game he's taken a step forward in that regard. Um, and I'd like to see more of that as the season goes on. My number one up from this Patriots game was the new captain. Thought Dietrich Wise looked absolutely phenomenal in this game. He got a lot of hype in the preseason. Pressuring the quarterback, getting to the quarterback, almost sacking the quarterback a couple of times. I think this was Dietrich Wise's best game he's ever played in a Patriots uniform. A great guy that I've met a couple of times. Definitely deserves to be the captain. And if they can keep getting this kind of play out of Dietrich Wise throughout the season, it's going to be crucial for that defensive line because I don't think the tackles, Guy, Barmore, and Godchuck were basically no-shows in this game. But defensive line-wise, Dietrich Wise... He was very good. Very good game for him, and I, I'm very happy for him as well. So that's my number one up. My number two up for the Patriots, believe it or not, is Jonu Smith. I think when he got his opportunity in this game, Jonu. I believe he got four catches, but from what he did last year, he, he caught three catches for 33 yards. He was four targets. 
He was pretty heavily involved, and when, when Jonu Smith's number was called upon, I think he was very good. He was bad last year. I think Jonu Smith's a key factor for the Patriots in the tight end game this year. And a little fun fact for you, Jake, is they played about over half of their snaps with two tight ends on the field compared to something they didn't do last year. They love doing that. Yeah. And then my, my third up for the Patriots is Juwan Bentley. Um, led the team in tackles. Very good with a man-to-man coverage on some of those wide receivers and tight ends as well. So I think Jawan Bentley is a guy that, with the loss to Jamie Collins and Dante Hightower and Kyle Van Noy, his number is going to be called upon a lot more this year. And I think Jawan Bentley was great tackling-wise, great into the man-to-man coverage-wise. And then a guy I didn't put on the list, but I also thought had a phenomenal game, was Matthew Judon. I mean, week-to-week, always does. But my three ups for the Patriots in week one, Dietrich Wise, Jonu Smith, and Jawan Bentley. I'm going to give a nod to a rookie. Who's that? Cole Strange. Um, I ain't giving him any nods. Why? He got taken out of the game for his poor play. No. I mean, they say maybe it wasn't his poor play. I, the reason I give him a nod is that the, the strip sack was not his fault. That was not on his side of the field. Um, yeah, he wasn't in the game. <laughs> there you go. I think, I think a rookie with a lack of serious errors in his first game, like... When, th- when bad things happen and it's not the rookie's fault, I'll give him a nod. If he can hold up in one game against a, a solid pass rush, he can do it against the next one. Yeah. Not bad for a first game. All right, three downs. No, I don't have three ups. We sucked. Three downs for me. My number one down, hate to say it, got to be Mac Jones. Don't think he was very accurate in this game. He should have seen that, his, that safety coming. His awareness wasn't good in this game. Who was that, when Byron he, Jones? When he fumbled the ball. The, the, one, the man-on-man ball at the end I don't think should have happened. That in, wasn't his fault. In the first drive. It wasn't his fault, but you're having such a good drive. Why, why make it a throw into the corner of the end zone with man-to-man coverage? You're just trying to get Devontae Parker involved against his old team. I mean, that was not the best throw in my opinion either. Yeah. A lot of his throws looked wobbly. He, the first, that, don't you think Devontae Parker like, is, is, that, is, is at least our guy that does that, though? Yeah, I mean... Like, like I'm glad, no, but I'm glad that throw wasn't to like, Jacoby Myers... Yeah, Myers was good, though. Myers had a good game. No, but, like, that that style of pass, we got Devontae Parker for Yeah, that's that. what we got him for, but there's no, for need, there was no need for that play in that type of situation. Overall, Mac Jones did not have a good game at all. His pocket awareness has to be better. His accuracy wasn't good, and his throws looked wobbly as fuck. So that's why he's number one for me. Wobbly as fuck. On the down list. Um, number two down for me. The secondary. It was only... The secondary wasn't that bad. Um, Who blew that play? Was that... Was that Adrian Phillips or was that Devin McCourty? It was more of Kyle, Kyle Duggar and Jalen Mills, actually. All right. But, um, They're both out. Kyle Duggar had a good game besides from that. Carl Davis is number two on my downs list, and it comes down to one play. Coming out of a timeout, Patriots go back on the field for a fourth and two situation. I believe it was the second quarter. What are you going to do coming out of a timeout? You know Miami's going for it on fourth and two. Bill Belichick probably says, don't jump, don't jump. Why the frig are you going to jump? You're going to give him a first down. What does Carl Davis do? Encroachment. Gives Miami a first down. Poor, pathetic, horrible, disgusting, dangerous, bad play from Carl Davis, who I guarantee you, well, I shouldn't guarantee you, but I bet you he's inactive for week two. Carl Davis is number two on my down. You really think that? After a shitty fucking play about like that, you suck, Carl Davis. And number three on my downs list, 
this, I'm actually really nervous about this, but Trent Trent Brown had a horrible game. He he's so up and down every year. And it ain't Isaiah went in week one, which is kind of good. But Trent Brown was not good at all. I, I don't want to say he needs to lose weight, but that guy is freaking really he's massive. big. He's just a huge dude. Trent Brown wasn't good. The, the strip sack was a little bit his fault. A couple of the other sacks were Trent Brown's fault. By far the worst player on the offensive line this week for the New England Patriots. I disagree with Brown. the strip sack comment. That was not his fault. It wasn't all his fault, but it was on his side of the field. Could what's, it at least? What's he supposed to do? Say, "Hey, Mac, there's a guy over here." He couldn't. Communication could have hey, been better. Could have gotten his he way blocked, a little bit better. He blocked his guy. It's not his fault. Two guys came at him, and Mac didn't call. It's Mac's job. If you notice, he should have been moving somebody over there. It was, to co- block. It was both their faults, I think. It's Tra- Mac's job to move people. Trent Brown could have gotten his way. Watch the play in slow motion. What? So Trent Brown's that my, fat ass? my number three down. Mac Jones, Carl Davis, Trent Brown. You got anyone in the Dallas list that you want to get toward pitch? I'm with you on Mac for sure. I don't agree with you on Trent Brown. All right, so those are our three ups and three downs. And now we're going to get to our week two picks Let's of the week. Let's review week one. Yeah, so week one, we got after week Start one. With third. Third place, Connor went six and ten. I went seven and nine. And then Jake went ten and six last week. So those are your up-to-date standings. Woo! Of what we got going on right now. So, last night already happened. I assume Connor gave the Chiefs, so I'll, I'll say he had the Chiefs. He didn't tell me who he had. did he send you them today? Yeah, so. What a scrub. <laughs> so, week two, everybody had the Chiefs last night. Any thoughts from that game real quick? I mean, yeah, they look pretty good. I do have some thoughts. Um, I was really hyping up the Bills earlier in our show. But, personnel-wise, I think the Chargers have the best defense in the league. Um, and I think the Chiefs' offense took a step back from last year. They still managed to do enough. And I, I know there was a pick six that helped get them over the hump, but they still managed to do enough to win that game. And that offense was struggling at times, but Mahomes has some magic in him, man. That, that scramble and that little flick, that was it was a good game. I'm just excited we get to see another Mahomes-Herbert battle this season. Two great quarterbacks, two very good offenses. Yeah, it could be a third one, but... um. Th- those guys are going to be battling for years to come. Very good game. Kansas City, I picked them to win the, that, that division for a reason. I think they're by far the best team in that division. But um, no. moving on. Herbert might be hurt, though. The thing that's crazy is everyone in that division already has a loss besides Kansas City. Which I yeah, just thought well, about. Yeah. Um, all right. So Broncos. this is a little, little bit of a different schedule than the last week. There's only seven 1 o'clock games this week. We got two Monday night games, and we got five games at... 405 slash 425. So starting with the first 1 o'clock game of the week, the New York Jets travel to Cleveland to take on the Cleveland Browns. Jake, who you got in this one? I got the Jets. Give me a Jets win. Joe Flacco getting the win. You do? Yeah. Connor and Jake both have the Jets this week. Connor got six right for a reason. There were six that I picked. I got the Cleveland Browns winning this game at home. I um, think it could be a good game, but... It, they have an amazing run game. I just think that Chubb and Hunt might tear the mm-hmm. Jets apart in this yeah, one. Yeah, definitely could. So I get Cleveland. They both get the Jets. Second game on the 1 o'clock schedule. We get the Washington Commanders taking on the Detroit Lions. Fun fact of this game is it's a battle of the number one and two picks from that draft. It's My Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Upset pick of the week. The Lions get a win at home. Jake has an upset me and Connor are both on the same page. All three of us have the Lions at home this week beating the Washington football team. I think it's a pretty good game, but that Detroit offense, it's a little too much for me in that one. I actually like Detroit's defense. What's up here? Connor and Jake both are crazy. Because <laughs> the Jets, they're not going to go 0-16, bro. They're not going to go 0-17 either. 
All right, so three of us have the Detroit Lions this week. Who would have ever thought we said that? I don't know. Um, they next, the Bears twice. The next game, it's the Tampa Bay Buc- Tampa Bay Buccaneers against a team, Bucks. a team that Tom Brady always struggles with in so New you, Orleans. You pick on the Saints. I'm picking the Saints this week. This is my upset of the week. Oh my god, free win for me. I'm taking the Give Saints. Me the Bucks at home this week. Great division rival. I know Kamara's not playing. I know Godwin is Godwin playing. Kamara is a, is most likely not playing. Godwin is officially out. So Jake at the Bucks and me and Connor both have the Saints winning this game. Oh my god, you guys are just you want me to win the season. So that should be a very good game. It's a good divisional game. I think Tampa Bay is going to actually struggle on the road there. That's why I have the Saints. Next one at one o'clock, Carolina. Baker Mayfield trying to get his first one in a Carolina uniform, traveling to take on the New York Giants. Danny Dimes at home. I don't care. I'm taking Carolina. I got the Panthers too. Give me another upset. The Giants are favorite. That's a mistake. Panthers, Panthers. Connor got the Giants winning this game at home. Yeah, of course he does. All right, and then this is my lock of the week. I get the Patriots beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. Why is this your lock of the week? Coming off loss, I think it's going to happen. My lock of the week last year didn't happen. I'm banking on it to happen this week. It's my lock. This, I mean... You don't want to go too locky. Let me... No, I'm not going to go too locky. I'm going to have a good lock. But let me, let me just... I don't know. I well, Who do you have winning the game? I have the Patriots winning Patriots the game. Patriots are my lock. But <laughs> I have the Patriots winning the game. The Steelers did just beat a team that we're considering like one of the best in the league. It's a letdown game. Okay. Um, all three of us actually do think the Patriots are going to win this game. Though. Okay. So, good. Very, we either very... all win or we all lose. And then our second to last 1 o'clock game of the week, Indianapolis traveling to Jacksonville. Jacksonville's home opener. I'm taking Indy. Yeah, I just, I just don't think that they have anything on defense that can stop Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, Indy didn't look great in week one, but we, we talked about it before. Wake up. Colts got to find that number two receiver. Their defense is good enough to stop the Jags also. So me, Jake, and Connor all agree again that the Colts are going to win this game as well. And then final one o'clock game of the week. Not a bad game. Has a little bit more juice after the Tyreek Hill edition and how that Miami offense looked against the Patriots. But it's, it's Miami traveling to Baltimore to face the Ravens. I'm taking the Ravens. Connor's taking the Ravens. And Jake's taking the Ravens. Yeah. So we all agreed on at least four of those. And I'm I'm gonna like I'm I'm crossing circuits in my brain, confusing the hell out of myself, and I'll probably confuse anyone listening as well. But I think the Dolphins beat up on a bad Patriots team. I think the Patriots are gonna beat the Steelers, who beat a good team. The Ravens are the best of all of the teams that we've discussed in the, in this foursome that I've just mentioned. I think the Ravens are are significantly better than the Dolphins. They will yeah, get the yeah, win. And then, by the way, my upset of the week was obviously the Saints, and my bold prediction of the week was Tampa Bay and New Orleans both fo- failed to score 27 points this week. Tampa Bay and New Orleans. Not total, but each one of them aren't going to score 27. That's pretty... That's a decently high number. Brady. Winston. High scoring. Bold prediction. Fournette. All right, 405 games. We got two of them. Raekwon. The Atlanta Falcons are traveling to the L.A. Rams. Rams. Rams are coming off a horrible loss. Rams. We all get the Rams. Could be a demolition. Yeah, I mean, they, they should want to bounce back and win. I don't think Mariota and Drake London can beat them. Um, and the other 405 game is the Seattle Seahawks, 1-0, facing a San Francisco 49ers team that's 0-1. 
I have San Francisco winning this game. I think it could be closer than people think, though. I think it might come down to the final drive. I think Trey Lance and they got to win this game, basically. It's a got to have it situation. Seattle's not going to be 2 0. I got San Francisco. Connor has San Francisco. Who do you have? Seattle. Really? Yeah. Jake thinks Seattle. I think that I'm still on this Niners are fake thing, okay? The, the Niners have a good defense. They. I don't trust their offense. I don't. Not one bit. They lost Mitchell. Kittle's banged up already. Debo is good. He's not the healthiest guy I've ever seen. He, he might not make it through the, the year. Um, and Lance has shown me nothing that I'm proud of. So I'm going to take the quarterback, Geno, that just dominated the game. He's right in the win. All right, three, four, twenty-five games. We have game would have been more hypey if Dak Prescott didn't get hurt in that game, which we didn't mention. But, yeah, Dak got hurt, and it's Cooper Rush time, for all those you don't want to know. It's Andy Dalton. They should trade for Jimmy. It's Andy Dalton. It's Joe Burrow against Cooper Rush. Cincinnati got to win this game. Andy Dalton has played for both of these teams. Cincinnati got to win this game. Yep. Three of us got Cincinnati. I mean, I don't think Cooper Rush is winning whether he's home or away, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, other 425 game, it's a battle of Texas. We got Russell Wilson in his, in his Denver Broncos home debut against the battle Houston Texans. Of Texas? I mean, yeah, not Texas. Denver's in Colorado, sorry. Um, I was thinking of Houston and Texas. Um, Houston and Dallas? Yeah, Dallas. I have the Broncos in this game. Yeah. I think Wilson gets a win now that he's at home. All three of us get the Broncos. I got them as well. And then the final 425 game of the week is the Arizona Cardinals. I think this is a pretty good game. Arizona and Kyla Murray against Derek Carr and the Vegas Raiders. I have the Raiders. I have the Raiders. Yeah, and so does Connor. So, I mean, Yeah, great game. I think it's a good game. My right? lock of the week is the Raiders. With DeAndre Hopkins would have been a little more interesting. But Rondell Moore is out, I'm hearing, too, again. I think the Cardinals are pretty fake. I think their defense is bad. That's why I had them at 7-10. and 10. Yeah, I, I'm surprised at how poor they're playing. Um, but One game, but... Hey, I'll, I'll take a page out of uh, the good old Tommy Gillen book. I love you for what you're worth. Wait, wait. The Call of Duty beta is coming out this week, so you know Kyler Murray is going to lose. Is it really? Yeah, he has no time to study the playbook. He's going to be playing he, he COD. He said that? He's going to be playing COD too much. Oh, God. All right, let's get to the nightcap. Sunday night football, Chicago, Tampa Bay, I mean Green Bay... Big time rivalry. Rodgers ain't losing two in a row to Justin Fields. I'm Packers that right at home. now. Packers will win that game at home. It's kind of a good Sunday night game, I guess. Showcase Justin Fields a little bit. And Aaron Rodgers, of course, is fun to see. Eh. So Green Bay's winning that one. We all got Green Bay, by the way. Monday night doubleheader features the Tennessee Titans and Buffalo Bills at 7-15. I think Buffalo could knock Tennessee out. I'm talking about a 20-plus point win in this game. Oh, shit. Didn't even see that. Bold prediction. Justin just took it off my page without even looking. Bold prediction. Bills win by 20-plus. That's crazy. Um, yeah, so Connor also has Buffalo as well. So do we. And yeah, by the I time, can't believe you just said that. I'm kind of glad this is the first game because by the time halftime comes at around 8.30, I'm ready to watch what I think is the game of the week. Yeah, game over at halftime. On to the next one. And that's the Minnesota <laughs> Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles. This got to be the game of the week, right? Yeah. Oh, two, yeah. Two teams that looked very good last week. Two teams that were actually pretty high on in the NFC. In this, we could be talking about a playoff preview. I think they played in the playoffs pretty recently, actually. Minnesota versus Philly. But this is a great game. This is a really good game. When? Couple, within the last couple of years. Like with Nick Foles? 
Yeah, yeah, maybe. But, man, these two offenses look really legit. We talked about it before. Two defenses look pretty good. Connor's taking the Eagles in this game. I get the Vikings. I also have the Vikings. Um, I just, I'm, I'm going to pick the Vikings until somebody stops them. Really? Yeah, their, their offense is crazy good. We'll see them on Thanksgiving. The, like, Adam Thielen is, like, not who he used to be, but he's still, like, whoa. And Justin Jefferson is insane. He's, he's crazy. Yeah, it should be a very he's good crazy. game. I'm happy that one's I'm not even game. talking about Dalvin Cook, like. So pretty good slate of games. Good offensive line. Last week was a little bit better. So me and Jake disagree on only three this week, just like last week. Jake got the Jets, Jake got the Bucks, and Jake got the Seahawks. So I'm trying to get 3-0 back on him like probably he did to me last week. Jets game. You think so? You're saying you're going to lose one? I'm saying I'm probably going to lose the Seahawks, and you're probably going to lose the Bucks. You think so? And then I'm going to get the Jets. All right, so those are the games of the week. Um, only fantasy football questions coming thr- from Matt Doran this week. He actually has, asking. He actually has two, he said. The first one is in our league. The second is in his league. He asked me in, in our league, do I consider putting in Chase Edmonds over Devin Singletary? Hmm. My answer to that would probably be no. And, and it's just because Buffalo just can score so much. Yeah, and, and I, I'm... I would say it's very unlikely that Singletary gets in the end zone. Um, and, that, and I'd still play him. Um, they're going to play Mostert in Miami. They're going to play other guy, that Gaskin, probably. Um, Edmonds is good. The Ravens' defense is very good. Um, yeah, I think you start. I think that I, I mean, look what look what. Obviously, Singletary is nothing like Saquon Barkley, but Saquon just dropped like 150 yards on the Titans. Um, I'm I'm wholeheartedly playing Singletary, no questions asked. And then he he wanted to know if he should use Drake London in his flex. I mean, let me see your roster. It's just, do I put Drake London in my flex? That's what he said. I, I mean, you know, it's interesting. He was okay in week one. I do have Drake London in a league. I have him in one league, and by the way, Matt Doran is on one. So you know, part of you wants to think like, "Oh, well, they're playing the Rams. They have Jalen Ramsey. No connection." Um, but Jalen Ramsey plays one side of the field. I'd play Drake London. He's a bitch. I'd play him. Jalen Ramsey's a bitch. Drake London is playable because Jalen Ramsey will not shadow him. I'd, I'd put he him in over Edmonds. Side of the field. Yeah, I would too. I'm playing London. And, and it's a PPR league too. Yeah, and, and more importantly is you think the Falcons aren't going to be playing from behind? They're going to be throwing constantly. It's either going to be Pitts or London. Hopefully not They're both going to get the ball. I don't care. Whatever. Play them. Give me your best team. That's what we... You're not playing him. Yeah, so and then his final question was, in his other league, does he start Josh Jacobs or Cordero Patterson at flex? Cordero Patterson, by the way, is coming off like an 130-yard week. Josh Jacobs, I don't love. Jacobs. Uh, Cardinals defense is bad. Yeah, I'd probably put in Jacobs just because Patterson's they're playing a For tough game. For the same reason I would play London against the Rams, I would not play Patterson against the Rams. You know what? I think Patterson scores. Aaron Donald will murder him. I think, I think Cordero Patterson's going to score more points this week than Josh Jacobs, so I just changed my mind. You know why? I think they're going to be trailing a lot in this game. Sorry, dude. Cordero Patterson's going to have to pass the ball. I'm not a huge Josh Jacobs fan. Neither am I. He's not really a guy that catches the ball that much. Nope. 
Kenyon Drake scares me a little bit in that not running that back situation. Anymore. I mean, not Kenyon Drake. Um, what's his name? The backup. Jalen Richard. I don't know. Who's their backup? Mike Davis. No, it's not. Mike Davis is in there. Raisins. Raiders depth chart. Um, I think Cordero Patterson's going to come off a good week and have another good week. Brandon Bolden, I mean. Yeah, um, and they have Amir Abdullah. Josh McDaniels likes Brandon Bolden. I'd take him. What did he say? Over Josh Jacobs. What did he just say? But I'm afraid that's going to have to wrap We're it up, my friends. We're not asking Connor. You can ask Connor. Drake London over Edmonds, yes. All right. That's it. We're not we- asking Connor. Week 107 of all the balls is complete. Good luck to everyone if you lost in fantasy last week to hopefully bounce back this week. If you won, hopefully you lose this week. And if you're in the survivor pool, good luck. If you're not in it, welcome to the club. Yeah, welcome to the club. And if you have to put some bets in, just be very careful. That's all I got to say. Hopefully the Patriots can make it to one and one this week. And we'll see you next week to recap that and look forward to the Patriots home opener against Lamar Jackson, the Ravens. We'll see you guys next week for week 108. Slaughter. For Jake, for Justin, for Matt Doran. Connor Howe. We'll see you next week. Done.